You're listening to the CAD Manager Confessions Podcast, Episode 12. In this episode, I'll be sharing an interview I did with David Park as part of Series 1 of my CAD Management Masterclass, where I interview some of the best CAD managers across different industries. Are you ready to learn from his confessions? If your answer is yes, then let's get started. Welcome, I'm your host, Eric DeLeon, and this podcast is for CAD managers and their pursuit for the perfect set of plans. Each week, we'll be doing deep dives into what CAD managers deal with daily as they manage and mentor their CAD teams, build and enforce standards, develop best practices, and provide leadership and vision to the firm in the implementation of new technologies. With an extensive career as a CAD manager, I'm here to confess all my lessons learned, strategies, and all my project delivery secrets. If this sounds like the right place for you, then let's get started. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, Eric DeLeon here, and thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the CAD Manager Confessions Podcast. Today, I'm continuing my CAD management masterclass series and interviewing another fellow CAD manager. Today, I would like to introduce and welcome David Park to the podcast. Welcome, David. Hello. Um, so David uh, is from the Minneapolis area? Correct. He's a digital practice manager, consultant, and, it, and also has experience in being a CAD manager. Um, so again, welcome to the podcast and just want to maybe let the audience know um, where you work at, how long you've been there, and what are you doing right now? I work at uh, Somatech, a civil engineering firm in the Minneapolis area. I've uh, been there about 14 months, and I do a combination of CAD management and technology management. Um, so a digital practice to me, I guess, is the combination of the, the CAD management and process um, that we use, um, trying to make sure that that's kind of a cohesive um, standard. Okay, fair enough. Um, so one of the things I've been asking everybody, I was asked this, so I thought, hey, as I start these master classes or these interviews, maybe I'll also ask the other CAD managers, you know, what's your CAD origin story? You know, kind of how did you get into this field? So uh, back in high school, uh, they offered <clears throat> a CAD technology for the last, I think it was two years, like junior, senior year. So I persevered through two years of hand drafting um, okay. to get to the uh, CAD drafting. Um, yeah. It was just uh, something about using, uh, designing with the, the computer, um, I guess, just kind of called to me. Uh, so I guess that's where it really, really started. Um, so a question for you so with that because i'm interviewing others who kind of had similar um origins or experiences mm -hmm. how do you think going through some of that hand drafting um how do you think that's kind of lend to you know your what you do today as a foundation of kind of your overall cat experience i would say it it gives you an understanding of the basics that I think are lost on designers today. Mm -hmm. uh, the size of the font, the um, 
keeping everything aligned correctly, um, plan composition, that type of thing. Uh, I really think it helps give a good basis for that that I don't think a lot of people have who are coming out of school now or even in the last 10, 15 years have an understanding of anymore because it's all, they've always been on computer. Yeah, I, I think that's, um, it's interesting. So I think so far, um, the ones who have been a part of CAD or CAD management for 10 plus years, um, I think they all have that same perspective where I, I just think it's a lost art. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. Of drafting, you know, I guess drafting best practices, right? You know, where you go through and you, like you said, you understand composition, you understand layout. Because I think back then, um, even though it's great that we are able to obviously do stuff digitally, um, mm -hmm. but the fact that back then, you know, they were, they really had just one, almost one chance to get it right. Because if they didn't, then that's a lot of rework of erasing, <laughs> er, right? Yeah. Erasing and drawing yeah, it over. Absolutely. And so I think, I, I think just that part, I, mean, I love the evolution of obviously a course, right? Because you can streamline how we do stuff with mm -hmm. templates, tool palettes, dimension styles, all that's all baked in. But I just think, like you said, and I call it the lost art of drafting or plan production. Uh, it makes it interesting. But it's interesting that obviously that you have, the, I'm, I'm not surprised that you have the same perspective. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, the uh, one thing I learned at um, yeah, previous employers, there's some really brilliant engineers out there and I'm like, this isn't a knock on engineers, just not necessarily what they come out of school for, who can engineer something really great, but trying to put a plan set together to explain that yeah. is a whole nother skill set that isn't taught. Yeah, well, they're, they're, so, so what that said is, um, you know, I call that the, the primary and secondary focus, right? As an engineer, their primary focus is engineering, design, mm -hmm. specs calcs the, the um, design code um, mm -hmm. but for a CAD professional the you know knowing the standards plan production uh, plan sheet creation composition layout that's what we do as a profession and mm -hmm. so that's what we've been formally trained in like you said a lot of smart people but in the day though you know plans being plans production being their secondary focus um, you know it's just some do a great job don't get me wrong right I think you've mm -hmm. seen that you've seen some really good ones but at the same time though I mean uh, with that kind of on that note is, you know, usually when I go to a new firm or I talk to people, it's like, you know, one of the questions is, are you struggling with the quality of your plans? And if they say yes, then I know more likely it's being drafted by EITs, designers, or engineer. <laughs> not, not, not knocking them, but no, absolutely, they, they yeah. just haven't been formally trained so that I can tell, oh, so you must, so the culture here must be a hybrid model where you have your engineering, designing, EITs, you know, that group also doing the plans production. But anyway, like I said, they, they're just coming out of school that just not, they're not being, they're not being trained because that's not their primary focus. Yeah. So um, anyway, all right. Yeah, great story. Um, so question for you. So how long have you been in CAD management? It's been 14 years. Oh, it's been a while. Yeah. And so, so with that experience, um, what are some of the challenges that you have ran into as a CAD manager? And what, what, what are the actions that you have done to overcome those challenges? So I think the biggest thing 
and I don't think I'm alone here, is you you create your the standards and the processes that you want people to follow, but a lot of times that comes with a lack of authority to enforce those things. Mm-hmm. Um, not that you want to be heavy-handed, but it's nice to to know that when you ask someone to do something a certain way that there's some weight behind it. Um, so that, that's probably the, the biggest thing. I mean, the, the ways around that are, are I guess you call it stakeholder engagement um, mm-hmm. or you know, engaging the users and, and trying to make them more part of that process. Um, but there's some times where it's just a difference of opinion on how things are done yeah. and someone needs to make a decision. And so, you know, that kind of thing, that's, that's probably the, the bigger part of it. Um, there's always budget restraints and time restraints, but um, yeah, I guess I'd say the lack of, of authority to do in any sort of enforcement is probably the biggest piece. Yeah, and again, I think I've, I've dealt with that in the past. I think others that I've interviewed also kind of expressed some similar um, experiences. Um, this is, I want to ask this question. I think it's interesting or maybe start a conversation is like, there's like the project delivery, project delivery Trinity, right? And the, you know, you have the, the budget, the schedule and the quality, right? <laughs> right. And I, you yep. laugh because you know exactly what I'm talking about, but isn't it kind of funny how, you know, to be, I mean, I, I know we want to be conscious of the budget, of course, right? We have to be because the bottom mm-hmm. line, we're trying to make a profit schedule. Obviously, we want to meet that. What's interesting to me, though, is like when when we do, when we're not good stewards of the schedule and or the budget, it's interesting how the the thing that's going to probably have the more lasting effect is going to be the quality of the plans, because that's what's going to kind of carry on and be and being used more copied sent out to all the, you know, contractors, subconsultants, and so forth, you know, and that's mm-hmm. the thing that gets archived, um, you know, your budget and your schedule that was done isn't necessarily archived, but the plans are, um, and so it's just interesting to me, I guess, I'm curious if you ran into that as well, where the quality is usually the thing that suffers, suffers the most or the quickest um, the, to get cut, um, you know, when delivering a project. Have you experienced anything like that? It's actually the budget that takes the hit first because they they want something quality to go out and they don't realize until it's too late that they're going to be over budget or are over budget. And it it leads to a lot of problems on the backside after the project goes out and you know <clears throat> you know, why are we so far over budget? you know what happened um but it, it i've seen it usually as the budget that takes the hit um for for whatever reason well that's the right answer so that's good because you know that's what you want to do right because one of my truths is the right things to do the right thing right mm-hmm. even at even if you know even if you have to go to your client with their you know tail between your legs a little bit to get an extension or without them knowing, knowing that you went over budget, you know, they, they won't know that they're still going to get charged, you know, um, mm-hmm. what they, especially if it's internal inefficiencies. So that's mm-hmm. the great answer because, you know, I've seen it, obviously that's what we try to do, but I also see the other side where um, 
you know, some people, some folks will just skimp on, oh, we'll just, um, you know, we're over budget now, so we don't have time to do a, Q, a QC. We don't have a time to making sure everything is, you know, wrapped up in a nice bow to give to our clients. And so, so that's great that if you've had that experience where, um, you know, the, like you said, um, well, we may, we may have a project overrun, but at the end of the day, we're still going to give our clients a quality product. Mm-hmm. Um, what was one of the biggest mistakes um, that you've experienced as a CAD manager? And then how has that helped, you know, shape your career moving forward? So it's kind of a, I'm going to give you two because they were, they were sort of related um, Great. at the time. So I would say that it's how I handled a disgruntled user that makes sense yep. uh, someone who didn't want to uh, follow the standard or had their own ideas um, had very strong thoughts on that <laughs> um, so and some of it's realizing after the fact um, other things that were going on at the time I was not aware of um, that made made how I handled the situation worse um, but it's, it's handling that disgruntled user. Um, and I don't know if there was ever going to be a way that I would have got that person in my corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know that I helped in how I handled it either. So it's um, that's something that I've tried to learn from uh, everywhere else I've been. That was a long time ago. Um, coupled with that was a... Um, it's kind of going on at the same time. I was doing a Autodesk Vault implementation, and that uh, that person was part of one of the pilot testers. And I don't think that how I handled the situation in general, not related to Vault, just related to um, the other the other items I talked about impacted that and and how the success or failure of that got communicated to uh, management. Um, me not me thinking that uh, certain things are being communicated um, through my supervisor to management that were not. Um, and so the realization I had from that moving forward is, make sure that or making sure that you control the message to upper management as best you can um, the more direct line you can have with that the better you know, even if it's informally checking in just making sure that you know asking what they've heard and and trying to understand the situation from from their side um, because I found that the, there's kind of a communication breakdown sometimes that has bitten me in the rear end uh, too many times now. And yeah, that's one thing I try to watch. So. Okay. Yeah, that's great. I mean, again, that's, those are tough ones, right? Because we are trusting our bosses to relate that information to others mm-hmm. um, versus it, you know, cause then, then, you know, hope getting their assistance and, 
uh, how you want to say it, uh, managing the, um, the narrative, mm-hmm. right? So that way, like you said, I mean, you could be doing everything right, but um, if this one squeaky wheel is saying otherwise, and they don't know there's a history of whatever with that person, right? That can lend to like, you know, like, hey, what's, what's David doing over there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, type of deal yep. and stuff yep. like that. So yeah, it's a great, great, great lesson a great thing to try to get ahead of it or, you know, be aware. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, what is one thing you wish you knew earlier on in your career that you know now? Um, I kind of alluded to it in the last answer, but it's understanding the inner workings of, I don't want to say the office, but of management and, um, how to manage their expectations. Um, it's always pretty easy to, to um, talk to drafters and designers and usually you're helping them out a lot. So they're pretty thankful for that. Yeah. Um, but it's again, that disconnect between reality and uh, what upper management hears that you need to, be aware of and I I didn't realize how much that impacted things early on yeah what um, yeah I mean again it's one of those um, you have to learn the hard way sometimes right (laughs) yes you know and and again this is kind of why I'm excited about doing these um, interviews with other you know CAD managers because we have similar stories but yet um, it's, it's just interesting to hear the different, you know, obviously we all have different experiences and how those different experiences have impacted us in our careers. And so, and again, hoping that, you know, this can help somebody two steps mm-hmm. behind us, you know, sure. and, and helping with that. So thank you. Thank you for being candid and honest because I know sometimes, you know, that can be tough. Um, yeah. Oh, so yeah. thank you. Um, so what would you consider to be your CAD manager superpower? I would say forensic analysis. That makes sense. Yep. Data mining. I call it's it data. Under, I call it data mining. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's under. You know, so people will often come to you with a question about how to do X, right? Yep. Reality is they have some goal they want to get to that in their mind X is part of, but there might be a better way or a different way or whatever the case might be where I can give them a better answer. So I always try and figure out what they're trying to do. What is your end result? What do you want at the end of this? And then work my way back. Um, So, Yeah, I think reverse engineering definitely is a is a skill. I know we all want to do it, but being able to do that effectively, um, you know, that comes. I guess that comes with um, what I'm trying to get better at. Um, you know, mm-hmm. kind of being a, co- a conscious decision to listen, right? Like mm-hmm. you said, I mean, it's different when somebody comes to you with a problem. I think you know, it's, I think it may be part of human nature. Like we know the answer right away, so we over talk. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, by the time they're done with their sentence. 
and, and probably we do know where they're going. Um, you know, we try to give them an answer right away um, because, you know, whatever reason, that's just how I think a lot of people yeah. do it. I, I try to, I try to not do that, <laughs> make a conscious decision. Cause again, listening <laughs> again, by not cutting them off early, right. You give them ability for mm -hmm. them to get their whole, their whole question out or their whole whatever statement or comment or whatever they're trying to, um, they're looking for. And then you mm -hmm. be able to then give them a, an appropriate answer. Cause sometimes beat, beat, beating them to the punch sometimes isn't the right answer. You know, <laughs> yeah. Your prediction yeah. wasn't quite right. Yep. But, cool. but, how, but so, but by you doing that, I mean, how do you feel like that's, um, has that, I mean, I want to say, yes, it's worked in your favor, but how do you feel like that's helped you and your relationship with the end users? Um, I think that that gives them confidence that, I'm going to be able to help them uh, be more efficient overall mm -hmm. and, and get their job done faster and better uh, or easier. Yeah. Um, you know, just, it's one thing to just give them, you know, how do I do X, right? And you, you give them the answer, here's X. Uh, well, reality is they might be struggling with a couple of other things in that process, right? Yeah. So yeah. X might be one of three things that they need help with or, or want to ask and the ability to figure out what their end goal is and help them through that entire process and understand that better, um, I think helps your repertoire with them and, and trusting you. That's good. Okay. Thank you. Um, what current technology or trend are you most excited about? I would say as, as it relates to, to Autodesk and civil engineering software, um, it's got to be Dynamo. Okay. And the introduction of that, it's, um, I think that's going to be a huge benefit. Right. Yeah, I've seen a lot. I haven't had the opportunity to dive into it quite yet. Um, I know there's a, I've seen and started reading up a lot of, of course, the, you know, it's all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when you're looking at anything Autodesk. And so, yeah, it's kind of crazy how, you know, at least they're listening. I don't, I'm not sure where all that, the birth of that came from, but it's it's good to see that end of the day, they're trying to create these tools for us to be, you know, streamline it, be more efficient, you know, mm -hmm. increase overall productivity. So that's good. Mm -hmm. um, what are your thoughts on the future of CAD? That's a, it's pretty heavy, I know. <laughs> it's a pretty big question. Um, well, I guess I'll, I don't know that it's, you know, every year you go to Autodesk University and they're, they're like, oh, this is the next greatest thing, right? Yeah. Well, I've still yet to see a lot of those over the last even five years come to fruition. Mm -hmm. um, it's great to to say this is what we, we think is going on, people aren't ready for it yet, you know? Yeah. Um, or technology is not ready for it. Uh, I think there's going to be, I think the vendors are going to push cloud as hard as they can. Yeah. Um, I'm not against the cloud, but I don't think from what I've seen from either Bentley or Autodesk that 
it's ready. Um, Project-wise works technically, I guess, but it's slow. I don't. I haven't met anybody who's used Project-wise that um, thinks that it's fast or as efficient as it could be. Um, and don't get me started on BIM 360 and collaboration for Civil 3D. Um, that's uh, Autodesk doesn't have a um, robust enough back end, in my opinion, to use that on a production project. But that's just my opinion. Uh, other than that, um, I think, I don't think there's going to be a huge change in the next few years on, on the products that we use. Um, they're going to continue to be, you know, improved upon by the vendor. Um, what I'm curious of, I'll, and I'll say it's probably about eight years, at least for the couple companies I'm aware of, it's probably eight years away, um, is licensing. And I, that's kind of what I'm trying to prepare for now is is trying to think of it way ahead of time. So Autodesk is, is forcing the change to user, single user, subscriptions, right? Yep. And they're making that painless right now if you have, you know, any multiple licenses with, the, with their their trade-in. But the real pain is going to come when that ends and your license costs double or quadruple. Yeah. Um, that I'm curious how that pans out. Um, because me personally, I'm trying to figure out if we can, if there's other products we can begin investing in and using to reduce our dependency on civil 3d. Interesting. Well, I think there you, are some that are out there, but yeah, I mean, that's the, but that's the, so I mean, but that's the challenge, right? Because a lot of our deliverables are, our contractual mm -hmm. obligation are you shall use this software, this version, this standard. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. then you're saying that you're trying to find a potential alternative. That's not Correct. so, okay. Interesting. Okay. And let me go back here real quick. So I'm a big fan of project wise. However, it does have to be set up correctly um, to where, you know, like um, for instance, we, we, I've been using it probably about 15 years now, probably one of the first, it's been mm -hmm. a while. And so, but it just seemed like when we first started getting into it, we did what everybody else did, right? We got a server, great, right? But the server sat, you know, it sat in a different, in a, where IT was located in, you know, sure. in another state, mm -hmm. three states away. Um, you know, like you said, it, it, I think it's probably the best tool out there so far because of, you know, check in, check out the versioning, and a lot of the, some of the stuff on the back end, but it only works well as if you have a local caching server in that office. And mm -hmm. then, then it, you know, then it can, then we saw it 10 times the performance. And once we did that, I mean, you can we literally, you know, like you said, I mean, I think you're right. Cloud is great, but if you don't have one, the infrastructure that we have as a community, right. With fiber optic mm -hmm. or not fiber optic and, 
mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the upload download speeds were really limited to what, what that is and what that means. Mm-hmm. And if you're completely cloud-based, especially with these, with our, the way that CAD files are structured with references, data shortcuts, mm-hmm. they're, like you said, I, they're not ready. I mean, we, we make the best that we can with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but to be, I mean, it just seems like, you know, again, the company I'm at now, we tried Ignite. It was, this was something that we inherited and mm-hmm. I, I call it, you know, um, Dropbox plus, um, sure. sorry, sure. Ignite. I mean, it, it works fine if you're doing it for regular documents, just like, mm-hmm. you know, just like some of the Dropboxes and things like that. But when you start getting into CAD files and civil 3d <laughs> and all these other ones, right. <laughs> I mean, that's a whole different game. That's a whole different algorithm mm-hmm. in making sure. And again, like you said, um, I think the big push is cloud. Cloud is the sexy term right now, right? And <laughs> getting everybody to be collaborative. It's mm-hmm. real time. It's no matter where you're at, no, no matter where you're at, you're able to then be able to um, always have the data at your fingertips. But that comes at a cost when you're starting to do Mm-hmm. performance costs when you start doing CAD engineering design work. Do you yep. have similar thoughts? No, absolutely. It's um, even for small, I'd say CAD projects, it might even be okay. But when you're working on like transportation projects or, or things like that, that's a lot of data. I mean, yeah. th- that's just a lot, just the sheer size of it. And I don't think a lot of those vendors take that into account. Um, I, I so I've got a lot. I've got a lot more experience with um, Autodesk Vault, okay. uh, than project-wise. I don't think the civil engineering community has given that enough of a shot. There are. Um, and, and I'm, I'm a little disappointed that Autodesk hasn't supported it in that realm a little more than they have. Mm-hmm. Um, I figured out what, when I implemented it at my previous, one of my previous firms that we were probably one of the, not the earliest adopters, but I'd say we're probably one of the earlier adopters for civil engineering um, and I learned a lot from that. I've learned a lot since uh, using it for, I implemented it as a, as a consultant um, for a few other places since um, mostly in the manufacturing side. And uh, there's a lot it can do and I think it performs extremely well when configured correctly, um, but I don't think a lot of people would know how to do that because it it takes a lot of pain and suffering to figure out data management, whether it's project-wise or Vault or yeah. SolidWorks PDM. Yeah. Um, it takes a lot of pain and suffering to the to, to details to figure that out. Yeah. Um, so. Except it's interesting. I guess you know. I wonder if because of the um, the invention or the um, the birth or the more use of 
you know, BIM 360, why they mm -hmm. kind of just jumped over Vault, right? I mean, I guess, I mean, it's there. You can use it if you want, but I don't hear a whole lot about it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, uh, it's, we were, our, Sambatech was working with another firm on a project, and that was the one that they, they decided they were going to do BIM 360 with that collaboration uh, for Silver 3 right, like, a week after it came out. Yeah. I don't think it lasted two weeks, and they pulled it out because there were that many problems. Yeah. Um, so the thing, it's an interesting conundrum because with BIM 360, Autodesk has done a lot in the background. So like Vault, for instance, will work with um, BIM 360. You can share files from Vault to a 360 session and have somebody look at it, review it, you know, paint around in it. Um, and that would be where I would use it instead of right now, like I said, their systems aren't ready for it. They don't have all the um, tools necessary or, or reliability to do it directly yeah. on a civil 3D project. Um, that would scare the bejesus out of me. Yeah. Yeah, I saw a, so right before AU last year, uh, my local reseller had a really good relationship with them and they know our struggles with our current cloud um, platform, which we kind of ditched, to be honest. Um, um, it's kind of back burner. I mean, we're using it in one in Colorado, but that's because they were forced to move to it completely by the old um, guard of the uh, company of that of that acquisition um, that we made. But um, and so talking with our local reseller, um, that I was able to get a preview of it, like right when it first came, like that week it came out officially. Mm -hmm. Um, their their BIM 360 for Civil 3D guy came out from Autodesk, met us in Portland, and I got to see it. Um, a lot of questions that I had, I said, okay, this is what our current our current issues with our current cloud platform. So I asked him, I, I want you to go through these hoops. Sure. So he Absolutely. went through the hoops. He went through the hoops, and it was it gave us part of it resolved a lot of those issues that we had. So could we work better with what with it now? with it now with what we have currently yes however um it was still a little too clunky for me um like mm -hmm. you said it was i'm like this is just came out i mean even now the people that are doing it i mean you have to really put it through a multi-discipline multi-location multi-location office yeah if you're if you're a small firm you can probably get away with it because you're just working it internally mm -hmm. but multi-location multi-discipline i think that's where you start seeing where it lacks in the mm. challenges potentially. Again, this mm. was this was early November um, or late October when I saw it. So I know I've been in talks. We're in talks now because a lot one of our clients in Washington State are asking us are asking that question because sure. I think they're being fed go to BIM three hundred and sixty civil. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah exactly. and, they're and they're a pretty progressive local agency, which is great. Um, but at the same time, though, you know, again, we're just starting the conversations. Have mm -hmm. we go there for everything? I, to be honest, I would, I would love to if it could support us the way it's supposed to. Um, you know, yeah. to do it for the sake of just being proud. <clears throat> We've been burned by that, so now we're very cautious, very cautious as we go down that. Um, so, have you guys yeah. tried? Have you guys tried it at all? We tried um, it on that one, like just for okay. that one particular project, yeah. and 
I think they fixed some of the issues that came up in that, or I would say it's a combination of fix slash slash des defining the process that works. Yeah. Because we do things a certain way, it, it works better. Yeah. More reliably. Um, so I think they fixed some of those, but we, we haven't revisited it yet. Um, so the one thing that I think about when we talk about cloud technologies, and I don't think that this, everyone comes with the same realization or thinks about it, is that it's great to have cloud technology but it's almost to me, it's almost an all or nothing proposition because the more people you have using those technologies, the more your bandwidth is going to be used by it. Yep. You know, if you have a hundred people using a cloud platform, you're gonna suck up a lot of your bandwidth. Yep. And if not everybody is doing that, if you're using a mix of technology. Mm -hmm. um, the people who aren't using that, I think, are going to suffer. Yeah. Um, in the on the other side of it. Um, so, which uh, if you don't mind my asking, what platform was it that you're using in another particular case? For our cloud-based. Yeah. It was Ignite. Oh, okay. Again, it's a small, it's an upcoming yep. platform. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar, sort of familiar with it anyway. Yeah. No, I mean, again, and we use, we use, I mean, we don't have a project-wise server. We just have project-wise um, because a lot of our bigger co consultants that are the primes that we, that we go with mm -hmm. have it, or we do it because of our local DOT. So Oregon and Washington both use it. Mm -hmm. And so we just use it whenever we use them, but we're not the owners and, or, nor do we have the, you know, the servers or caching servers. We just use mm -hmm. it out of the box, you know, I, you know, with their, um, yeah, so you don't actually source. own any of the licensing or anything like that. It's you're just right. using their system. Correct. Yep. Give us a yeah. login. They give us the yep. data source IP, and then we go from there. So yeah, it's just, that's the same thing with <laughs> mm -hmm. almost everywhere I've been. Yeah. Or they're using that system, and I think that's. I mean, that's a hard issue to solve. I mean, it's, no, it's kind of hard on it, but it's not like it's an easy resolution. Um, to work with several different engineering firms on a, you know, different locations on a project. Yep. Uh, <laughs> it's not like that's a particularly simple problem. So, no, but if I was to, if, cause so one of my superpowers is I have a couple, but one of them is design produ plans production for design build projects, you know, multi-office, multi-software, multi-platform, multi-consultant all mm -hmm. that right do managing those projects the people the resources and my my go-to would be project wise because of because of how it can handle things and being able to do some stuff that's just my preference based off mm -hmm. of, but that's doing a lot of infrastructure work right so that's where mm -hmm. obviously that's where that the where bentley and all that comes from mm -hmm. um, but but again like you said there are some challenges but i think the big part of those of uh, luckily i was at a firm that we were a major prime on a major design build project. So we actually, all the cost for the server and the caching servers was absorbed into the project. And that's where, you know, I got this, I got to be on the controlling side of that. Sure. And it was amazing because, you know, we were able to then, um, you know, we were able to then use leverage the caching servers to definitely make it a, a, a way better experience. Cause if you don't, mm -hmm. again, like you said, you're, you're at the you're at the mercy of how many people are 
are, are using it at one time <laughs> and mm -hmm. how, how good is the how good is the bandwidth in your in your office location and so mm -hmm. you know uh, again we all have we all have probably good stories we all have bad stories yeah yep. um but um no but it is interesting though um so i want if you don't mind i'm curious to see i mean again i'm trying to learn myself and hopefully help other cad managers learn as well since you're you guys have used it the bin 360 for civil what was the particular thing that just wasn't working correctly in which you uh the biggest thing was permissions okay um and that caused things like work not being saved mm -hmm. when you thought it was being synced yeah it wasn't um that was probably the biggest the okay. biggest issue um and what was the other i'm trying to remember what the other one was um but the permissions was the biggest. They just couldn't get it set up right. Um, and I think the I think the answer in the end was how you created it, um, like needing to create it from inside Civil 3D instead of outside. I think was the answer. Really, I got my notes somewhere on that, um, which doesn't surprise me at all. Um, it's very similar to um, to how Vault would operate. We you'd want to create the project for it inside Civil 3 um, so so it didn't because like because one of the big things that I whenever we set up a project right <clears throat> what we did on project wise was that's the first thing we develop is the different roles and then mm -hmm. what the what the security permissions are for those roles so that way we can apply it to the right to the right folders right mm -hmm. it's like, like if you want Contractors, obviously, we don't want them actively looking at all the design files, but mm -hmm. we have a special spot for them where they can we can share stuff with them, and vice yeah. versa. And so, so because I thought when I looked at it, that was one of the things that I asked too. Because when we we went to Ignite, I did I did the exact same thing. It was you know you have your admin roles, you have your power user roles, you have your PM role, and it really just depends on where you want people to look at, and mm -hmm. you know what they have access what they have access to view and what they have access to view and write mm -hmm. um, does does bin 360 not give us that option of being able to set the different roles and the permissions and then apply them to the different folders um i'm trying to remember so i wasn't on the management side of that particular piece um i'm trying to think how they did that um Because there are, there are roles, but I don't know if there's a project role. I'd have to. I, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to speak out of turn. I don't yeah. quite remember how they had that. Okay. Um, I was just curious. Again, I'm just trying to give some good nuggets to whoever may be listening to this. Going, oh, we want to try that, and you know, at least for them to make sure they're doing their due diligence and understanding. Mm -hmm. The different roles you know where stuff's going to be located and then how that kind of worked so anyway so cool i was just curious so um, um do you have any time management tips tricks hacks that you would like to share with other um, fellow cad managers um well recently i've been trying to figure out the best way to do that myself and um recently i've tried to block time off my calendar okay. just yep. like it's a regular meeting yep. um, 
at the very least to help you know keep from having meetings scheduled during that time and gives me a fighting chance to sit down and do some yeah. of the stuff that I really need to do. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is uh, learning the power of the word no, or I don't yeah. have, you know, I can't, sorry, I wish I could help you with that, but, you know, go talk to person X or someone else who, who can help you. Yeah. Um, and that's hard to do because you want to be able to help people. And that's where I really struggle is you want to be helpful. You want to make sure people are productive. But at the end of the day, you still have stuff you need to, to get done um, yeah. that impacts your job review. Uh, yeah. So it's towing that line, knowing where that is. Um, and hopefully there's other people in the office that they can help. I always try to give them an alternative. If there's yeah. anybody else, it's like, hey, you know, I don't have time right now or I could help you, but it's going to take me a little while to get to you. Uh, you know, try person X. Yeah. Um, all that's probably the biggest thing i guess yeah those are great yeah i think i tried i use blocking of, of the calendar too um just again like you said make time for even production time or or time just to catch up i think that's great <laughs> the other one's batching where i'll try to schedule things like in those block times i'll try to batch like i really want to accomplish this in that time and try to get all that one thing done in mm -hmm. that time but yeah, but yeah, I, I do this. I do the exact same thing in that, um, you know, first thing when somebody asks me something, I'll ask what software is it in? And I have a question. Okay, well, is it Civil 3D, is it MicroStation, is it AutoCAD? Mm -hmm. um, and then kind of what are you looking for? And then, you know, and then I'll say, you know, to be honest, this person would probably be the better person to ask. They're more of a, you know, for instance, inroads, right? We have a guy mm -hmm. who's really awesome at inroads. I just know enough to be dangerous. But if you have something really big, go talk to him you know mm -hmm. type of deal so yeah it's tough because i know for us you know we are managers and so people are looking for us uh, but at the same time i think it shows really good um, looks really good on just our um, awareness that you know well we don't know it all <laughs> and that yeah. if, we, if we do know something you know what to be honest it's probably somebody who knows a little bit better because they're do, they're in it all mm -hmm. the time yeah yep so yeah i i i've that's the Actually, that probably goes on to your next question about, about the what is one lesson that I wish other CAD managers knew, and that's yeah. Um, always one of the things that I think's helped me is I stopped making assumptions. And on whatever the question, situation, whatever is, um, if, you know, if we're talking about something, and I, I try really hard not to base, not to assume I know where they're coming from or what the base of the conversation is, um, and it's helped me troubleshoot a lot of things. Um, And understand truly understand where the person is coming from um, so I don't know if that makes sense yeah yeah it does so where um, where can the CAD manager confessions audience follow you in your journey you have any social social media 
accounts or handles or LinkedIn? Um, I'm just, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, so that's probably the best, uh, best place. That's really the only place I'm at. Uh, I don't have any other uh, social media okay. accounts. So right. fair enough. Um, and then to kind of close things out, um, do you have any parting advice or thoughts to the CAD management community? I guess not really. Um, just keep trying to figure out the best way to do things, I guess. Yeah, fair enough. That's, that's, a, that's a good advice. Um, well, David, once again, um, it's been an honor. I've been, I've been following you for a while. Um, and so, you know, it's great to see, you know, again, talking to another fellow cat manager, Absolutely. lots of yeah. experience. Um, I think the things you talked about today, I think will be ben definitely beneficial to myself. I know will benefit um, the audience as well. So again, thank yeah. you for being here. Um, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. Yeah, I appreciate you putting it together. It's a good time. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you found the things we talked about today valuable, I would be honored if you would subscribe and or leave a review. Until next time, good luck and stay true in your pursuit for the perfect set of plans.